Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second entry into the series Rocket Talk, where we just chat about anything South African Rocket League. I am Skill Steel, and with me, as always, well, since one episode, Ultrism. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, I must admit. I'm excited about that. That first one was, uh, it was great to get involved with it, get to chat about the local scene, what's going on, you know, some of the, the local tournament players, the local teams that we've had coming through and, and get to see really just the, the different levels and the different styles that people have to come into Rocket League. You know, what do new players have to expect? What do old players have to remember, you know, reminisce about the old times? It's good stuff. You know, I, I enjoy looking back at the old school versions of Rocket League. Um, obviously, you and I have had a, a lot of uh, history in the Rocket League scene. So it's, it's always fun to re- go to go back and just be like, Wow, man, I, I completely forgot that, that that team or that tournament even existed. And I mean, that's kind of what we're doing tonight, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, last week we kind of analyzed or cross-analyzed most, most of the players, uh, their progression, new players, what they should be doing. And this podcast this week is actually a nice one because we, you know, that, that nostalgic feeling, just as you mentioned now, you know, where the entire Rocket League scene started, where it came from, all those teams, how they evolved. Um, and that it kind of creates this nostalgic feeling, you know, just to like remember where it all began. Um, and one big part of what we mentioned last week was uh, VS. Um, now, I wasn't too, too like knowledgeable in the scene back then, but Ultrism, you're quite knowledgeable on VS and where they started. I mean, I believe they were called Digital Gaming League back then. Oh yeah, the DGL. The DGL was big. I must admit, like that was where Rocket League really started taking off. So you know, in the beginning, there were a couple of local tournaments. I remember playing in the first tournament ever, and that was with just some of my my random friends. That was when I was a gold level player, and we came second in that tournament. If that gives you some idea of what we started, like gold was second place, and we we were just like blown away because the guys were hitting aerials. They jumped above us, and we were like, well, "How are we supposed to defend against flying cars now?" Um, and then like it really picked up especially when VS got involved so Digital Gaming League at that stage got involved they came in and they they did a really cool thing because you know they, they started with just like Dota and CSGO and then they, they just in 2017 they exploded and they were like we're going to pull in a huge number of different things that's when they picked up Overwatch they did Call of Duty they did this uh, Rocket League um, and it was really cool to see the the big companies taking notice of at what at that stage was a very small game and so you know they opened up a a decent sized tournament with the land finals that people could play in weekly ladders and that was when i was still actually competing in it and so to get to go through it um and actually join vs gaming was really cool and actually at the beginning of vs was when i just left my competitive team and started commentating so i got to see it from the other side there where i I saw the growth of vs from the production side as well and got to go to the land finals of that and the best part about that was not having to actually worry about competing in the land finals i got to see it and see just like the intensity that things had got up to and that was like a year or two after rocket league tournaments were hosted in south africa so it just it exploded from that point and ever since then the growth has been fantastic yeah i mean uh, as i think digital gaming league back then kind of for me was um the starting point of it all it was like the the core of how rocket league in our country evolved um they kind of set the tone set the bar they got it going you know they got the the ball rolling and even though they're not active in it anymore they really did still 
play a pivotal role in actually evolving our community um, and getting lands going, getting leagues and tournaments going. And that, in, I think, inspired a couple of other people that to actually also start like Momentum and Metal State joined in. Um, so it all started basically back in VS. Um, but also part of VS was uh, the way that they did their, their, their league and their games back then. I remember when I joined uh, VS for the first time with, with the Rocket League, uh, Gen X Griffins back then. Uh, I can't remember what rank I was, but well, people, people were crazy back then. But the format they had back then was kind of... It kind of promoted uh, progression for me. Um, you start off, I think there was ladder, then there was second division, then there was first division, then premier division. Mm. Um, I don't know where you ended up, but yo, I struggled to just get into first division. But it's that kind of that, that feeling of progression. You start off in ladder, you win your way through ladder to get into second division. That gives you that, that feeling of achievement, that, that sense of I'm actually getting somewhere, I'm actually doing something. Um, and then also just winning through uh, second, getting into first and getting into premier. And I think VS really did their Rocket League format really well at the, at, at the start. It kind of promoted new teams not to get demotivated by saying, oh, we're just going to get wrecked by these top teams every single time. Why even try? But instead of that, they actually got to a point where they played their own level. And when they outcompeted their own level, they got to level up, so to say, to the next level, which was second or first or wherever. And that kind of, it was a really, really nice format, and I really enjoyed that. And it's so sad to see that they changed the format for some reason, um, where they started doing uh, four cups throughout uh, a season, I think, and these cups had prize pools at the end of it, but it was double elimination or single elimination, which means these lower-end teams were just getting wrecked hmm. every single week. And I can't imagine that they felt that sense of, we can do this you know, next week maybe, or something like that. It really felt like they were just getting pushed into this little bottle and they couldn't get out. Um, so I don't know. The, the format for me was was really nice at the beginning. I think that was when you also still got competed, I think, back when yeah. it was still like the leagues. Um, but yeah, for me, that was that was a really, really nice format. I must admit, that's something that I would like to see other tournament organizers start pulling in. It's just that, that like you say, the, the proving grounds where new teams could come in and not have to face big teams going into the first round. I mean, they, they were great because it meant that good teams could make it to the finals and there was multiple opportunities. So it wasn't just like one ladder where only a certain few teams could excel. But they kind of ended up doing that at the end of it with the 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 different legs if you want to call it the first round was really play through it and so teams could get motivated to build themselves up and you know like the first time i actually played for vs it was a dota league that i was in at that stage and it was great as a new dota player to not have to face against the top teams because it was so demoralizing like you say um and then when we we swapped to the league stage um the, the sorry the the qualifying tournaments there was there was just like the first round there were four teams going into it where you were like, all right, forget about every other team. Like, I don't even remember two of the other teams that were in those tournaments because they were such a non-factor in those tournaments. They just came in, they got knocked out in the first round, and that was it. That was the end of their round. And they had multiple opportunities. But, you know, in the first tournament, you had the top team go through, instantly qualified. Cool. Then the second leg, the second team went through. The third leg, the third team went through. And so, you know, while there were multiple opportunities for progression or for qualification there was no 
there was no room for growth in those legs. And I wouldn't like to go back. I mean, VS did give us the opportunity of playing around with multiple formats. You know, that was one of the best things that they did was the, the structure building up to the lands had its own format and they swapped it after the first year. And then actually at the land finals, I remember that first land finals had a lot of animosity towards it because it was single elimination. And it meant that there were guys who flew up from like Cape Town for the weekend and on the first day they lost their first game and that was it they were done for the whole weekend and they had spent like a thousand rand thousand five hundred rand each to get up there for the tournament and they played one game of rocket league so literally it was a best of five so they played three matches and they lost and they were out and the guys were sitting there going what why did we come up for effectively half an hour's worth of rocket league what what was the point of this? So, you know, that that was the teething problems that VS really helped the community figure out because you can't you can't hold it against VS either. So, you know, they they came through and they were they allowed people to figure out and I think a lot of other tournament organizers from that point onwards were able to draw from that knowledge and go, "Hang on, Single elimination works in like the long games like Dota where you're playing an hour per match or something like that. Sure, fine. Then there's a lot of opportunity for teams to prove their worth and they get a lot of game time. When you're coming in with Rocket League where it's super short, you can't afford to do that and we can actually fit in more games. So, you know, that sort of initiation and and innovation that they took was important and there were a lot of mistakes made. But they were important mistakes to make. And since then, I think a lot of the tournament organizers have picked up the correct way of doing it. I would love to see, though, more leg-based tournaments coming in where, you know, in the, the challenger division or the lower division or something like that, the guys still have an opportunity to play against teams of their similar rank. And I would like to see some sort of basic prize pool or something like that in the lower division to keep the guys motivated um, to keep them coming in. And because when you get to the end of that league, if you've managed to, to do well in your leg, um, you could then move up to the upper legs and then have a, a really big shot at the finals. But if you don't, there's still you don't feel like you've wasted now six months of the year playing a game where you're like, all right, great, we've trained so hard and we got knocked out in the first round. You know, that, that sort of format change is, is such a delicate balance. And VS tried hard and they did well. But They've now dropped Rocket League, and it's it's understandable they're focusing on more of the bigger t- bigger titles. Um, but I would I would love to see Rocket League coming back in, and especially if we can keep the growth up, getting some big tournaments like that out of VS. But the nice thing is they started, they set that foundation where now a lot of the other tournament organizers have jumped on and gone. We see what you did, we see the sort of support you got, um, and there was a lot of support for VS even in those days. Yeah, I mean, if we if we look at the the kind of format that VS ran back then. Uh, you still had a lot, a lot of teams entering um, because of that that league format, um, and we saw. I think I can't remember the exact numbers, obviously, because it's quite a while back. But I remember that first, second, and premier division, and even the ladder was stacked with teams. Um, the ladder might have some teams in prim and first and all that, but there was a lot of teams. They were all stacked, and they were playing on a regular basis. Um, and kind of with time that fell off. And I don't blame VS for changing the format. That was not the reason that teams stopped entering. Um, but I do believe somewhat of the reason that they stopped entering was that they were playing high-level teams that they couldn't mm. quite compete with. Um, but my interest, altruism, question for you. So we have a couple of names on the sheet here. Um, back then, Mother and Snowy, obviously 
big names back then even they still dominated the scene um and then also names like uh, cpz lion and timmy they were in berserk gaming now i think they came after you stopped competing i think back then i don't know about lion and timmy um but i don't know where cpz was before that CBZ actually joined us. That was the first time I really got to know CBZ. So back in the day, like the original tournaments that came and when I joined it, like after the first tournament, we did the the Mad Hatters tournaments. That was a lot of fun. And I, I remember posting on like the original Rocket League South Africa group, guys, I'm gold. I want to play decently. I was still on PlayStation at that stage. And I joined up with Nianfo. Nianfo, uh, if you guys recognize the name, he's a god in basically any game that he played. So he played Rocket League for us, and he was the best in South Africa by a long shot for a while. Then he went over to Overwatch, and he dominated there for a while. Now he's playing PUBG and Warzone and stuff, and he's still dominating in those games. Ridiculously good gamer. But it, it... formed a good team and that's where he and I started together and then we swapped teammates at that stage we picked up Elf at that stage um, for Rocket Eclair Um, we played as White Rabbit Gaming for a while and so we could you know we, we got recognized as a really good team in the country and then we started swapping around, getting support from different players. Rocket Eclair formed with Elf. Um, I then swapped to the casting role, and CPZ actually came in as our reserve. There was a stage where I outranked CPZ. It's, it's like the pride of my life was back in the day I could compete with CPZ. And I was like, this guy's pretty good. Like, let's put him in as the main roster, and I'll play reserve. Oh, man, those, those, I just, I look back at old videos going, yeah. Yeah, this was the time. So uh, people don't recognize me as a player anymore. It's it's sad, but um, I jump into six mans. They will and... definitely remember you now. Yeah, but that's crazy. You know, it gives that nostalgic feeling, just remembering when, you know, it was still. Um, I think there's still a, a stream or a, a, a VOD up from, it was still DGL back then, I, and Elf casted it. It was between aerial flops ivy aerial flops and some other team but it's just crazy to see and i know a lot of the rlcs players they also quite often reference back to season one of rlcs and they look back and they think wow they played so bad we played so bad what were we doing and i think it's the same feeling and i don't know about you alt but i mean if i go look back at my 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 old games that were still streamed i'm like who is this kid? Like, is he, is he still platinum gold? What is he doing? What is this rotation? Why is he ball chasing? Um, so it's just crazy to see. And you speaking about, you know, CPZ being a sub back then, uh, it just emphasizes the, the player progression throughout uh, the years and throughout the months um, where they started and where they are now. It's, it's really, it's just crazy. Dude, I just look at my old replays, like the stuff I saved on Rocket League. And I go back and I was like, ooh, this one, like top goal, best ever goal or something like that. And I look at it and it's it's not even like a backboard redirect or something. It's just like me hitting it off the wall kind of thing into the goals. I'm like, I was a god at that stage. And now I'm like, wow, that's like base level things now. And it's, it's the beauty of the Rocket League scene, though, is that it's had to innovate so much. And like you say, you go back to season one RLCS and the guys were just amazed to see an aerial play or something like that. And it just, it shows. And that's where I think the top players in South Africa are really, um, 
excelling and i think that's what's putting a lot of the the lower level or the newer players off is they're like how are these guys doing this i don't understand you gotta remember that people like cpz or elf have been playing this game for six or seven years they did what these guys are doing now and we, we don't even recognize the talent that there is in these lower level teams i don't want to call them low level because they were literally the same level as we were back then playing those games and winning tournaments with very very mediocre or very very like commonplace skills there where a passing play was unheard of a backboard redirect didn't exist you know no one was going up on the backboard now guys are like off the ceiling redirects then um flip reset off the backboard and then scoring a goal and you're like wow okay they've chained like seven different skills together so you know that that sort of progression of players comes with the the fact that the scene in south africa is actually really well established you talk about stuff like xd mother and snowy mother and snowy were also like reserves at one stage i remember snowy playing for a while uh there was no clip at that stage as well and i remember like four years ago no clip had like six thousand hours in rocket league four years ago Oh, I, I miss Noclip just because of that. Because I was like, he was he was at that stage the best aerial player in South Africa. Without a doubt. Everyone was like, this guy is a god. He, he I think, was the first guy to actually do like an air dribble in the air. And people just saw this guy floating over the top of them going, how am I supposed to defend against that? Where, where is this guy going? He's touched the ball three times in the air. What madness is this? Just send him overseas. Just get him over there. <laughs> just, just not here. Just not like over there. No, but that's that's crazy. And I mean, we, we, we spoke a lot about uh, VS and Digital Gaming League with their formats, but also one thing, and you also touched on it, is is their LAN events at the end of the year. Um, I think VS really did it well um, last year, where they kind of changed the format to be, and as you mentioned, people rocked up there from Cape Town, they played one game, got wrecked, and then it's like, where, why did I spend my money on this? And what VS did so, so well last year is that I think you played a minimum of five games. Like, you, if you could still go out on day one, but you played a lot of games. And mm. it was so cool for me to see the RK guys. Like, they not the best players in Rocket League. They have their skills, they have their talents, but they're not, like, up there high level. But it was just so great to see they came up there, their shirts, they came as a family. They, like, enjoyed yeah. the games they played. They, they even stayed afterwards. They played some private matches, Rumble, I think they played, or whatever. It was so cool for me to see that people still came up to these LAN events, and it was just like, we're going to just enjoy this, you know? But I think VS's format really promoted that that feeling of, you know, we're still going to play a lot of games, you know, it's not going to be a one, one-trick pony. Um, but also one big thing about VS also is the prize pools, um, which I really think kind of... In, not inspired, but motivated people to actually show up to the lands from, mm. from Cape Town. Um, I think that was one big thing for me as well, because back then uh, I was part of IVE with Fallas and Shadow, and IVE actually sponsored my plane ticket to go over to, to the land. Obviously, the deal was that I think, no, I think they wanted some of the prize pool, but I think what I actually want to touch on is that a lot of these big orgs... Um, they don't want to spend money on players flying somewhere and there isn't going to be a payout, you know, like mm. they, they want to make something back on it. Um, and I think that's a big thing that these tournament organizers and uh, organizations in general just have to keep in mind is that in our country, sadly, you cannot keep a long-term tournament going or league going if there isn't an incentive at the end. 
which I think is really, it kind of hurts our community in general. Um, but prize pools in this country is sadly something that isn't necessarily necessary, if I can put it that way, but it really does, I think, help teams. I mean, if it's a, if it's a league or something that has a prize pool at the end of the year, like a big LAN event that Gears did, um, I think it does it way, way better because teams actually have something to play for. They keep in mind that, okay, there's something at the end of the year, this big thing that we have to grind for, we actually get something out of it. Um, so I think for these big organizations and on all that, it's it, it kind of like, it makes the image a little bit better on the tournament if there's a prize pool. Um, but what are your thoughts, Arch? I don't know. Oh, no, you're, you're 100% right. I think the two things that players will dedicate time for is if there's a LAN, just that experience of going to a LAN is huge. And people will go to a LAN, you know, like not just players, but spectators, people come together. Like you say, people like teams come together as a family. And I really feel like LAN events do a lot for team cohesion. You know, guys who come together, they stay in the same hotel or something like that if they've traveled far or they meet up on the day in the same shirts and stuff like that. It builds such morale and you get to know the other players as well at a LAN environment where, you know, if especially if you're playing multiple games like they did at VS last year, was you could then play the guys and then get up after the match, go chat to them about the match being like, wow, dude, like I didn't know about you beforehand, but you pulled off some really sick moves and you really get to know other people. I, I I remember meeting DF the man um, at these tournaments and afterwards regardless of how the actual tournament went we went out for drinks and pizza and stuff afterwards with other teams and it, it really built the community at that stage so if you can have lands or a prize pool or both you know the both is obviously your, your top priority. This year, it's kind of fallen apart. But prize pools and lands are how you get people involved in it. It really makes it an event. You know, people sitting behind their computers for nothing, the guys are just going to play quick play. The guys are going to just jam together as a team and jump into competitive because it's actually like more exciting for them to get that champ rank or something like that than it is for them to get a bragging rights tournament or something like that so you know especially when you're talking about people like orgs people who are now putting forward money to these guys to say guys go to the tournament there's got to be some sort of return on investment unfortunately at the end of the day any tournament is a business decision and so there's got to be some sort of return on investment for everyone involved no one's going to put six thousand hours into rocket league if they're not getting anything out at the end you know they could put that that time into a different game which has a big prize pool or something like that and so you know the, the tournament organizers have to take this into consideration the land finals would be the best thing you could do just to build hype and build exposure for your brand but also just like a prize pool is what's going to get the top level guys there the bigger the prize pool and the more consistent the prize pool i think the more it's going to affect how well your tournament is supported and how much hype is built around it i mean if you put up fifty thousand rand towards a tournament you are going to have so much hype people are going to play for a year if they need to to do it and you know especially when vs had the different legs and the different leagues and stuff like that that's what guys are playing for at the end of the day is they're like there is a big goal at the end no one's going to shell out a grand and a half per player to get from cape town to joburg to play in a tournament if everyone's gonna face like 300 rand at the end of the day you're not even covering your costs of getting there and so like people start going mm, you know is it worth me even coming through to these tournaments so you know between those two i think that that's what is really a big motivator in any scene in any game really but rocket league as well is just got to get these guys some sort of reason some motivation to get to the end of it 
Yeah, and I mean, I think part of those organizations that we speak about is this uh, these brands that get involved. And I know uh, Digital Gaming League, Telcom was involved back then, right? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, Telcom yeah. basically started the entire thing, if, I, if I'm if i not mistaken. Or they were the biggest sponsor, and the biggest sponsor now um, is, is Telcom, especially for CSGO and Dota, which VS is having massive prize pools for. I don't know if you've seen Alt, but... It's like 500,000 or something? It's yeah, it's crazy. CSGO plays for a lot of money, and then it just makes me wonder why did I even choose Rocket League at the time? Yeah. Like, why didn't I put in like 4.5k hours into like CSGO or something? That's a big consideration, you know. Is like when you're investing enough time, I mean, if you think about it, like to learn a musical instrument is something like 80 hours, to, uh, or like learning a language is like 80 hours. If you're putting in 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 hours. You could have literally learned like half the languages on earth kind of thing by that stage. Why are you doing this? Is you got to put it in. And if you can put in 6,000 hours into Rocket League and get paid 300 Rand or 6,000 hours into Dota and be playing for a prize pool of half a million Rand, I mean, there's not even a question there. There's no question, dude. You don't even try and consider it. You're like, nope, I'm going, I'm going for the money. It's the money. But I mean, yeah, I'm, you're so deep into the community now. You're so invested in the community. Like you can't, I mean, I know there's a lot of talk of people like they don't know if they want to continue with Rocket League. They don't know if they want to keep going with us. You know, there's no tournaments. There's there's no involvement. Uh, no orgs want to pick them up. There's no sponsorships. But I mean, I'm also guilty of one of those like saying, oh, what is what is the point? Rocket League isn't going anywhere. But then, you, then you're kind of in, your, in in the back of your mind, like, but you invested so much time. Imagine <laughs> you stop now, get rusty, come back, and there's this big tournament, and you can't do a, even one aerial. You know, you, you're kind of that scared of letting you know letting yourself slip. Um, but getting back to this brand involvement, uh, we have names Logitech and Asus. I'm not sure if they they already sponsor some teams. Um, but in terms of getting involved in our Rocket League scene, there's gonna be half. There's gonna have to be like tournaments with consistent prize pools. There's gonna be something that has to pull them in where they can get, like you said, a return on investment. Um, and sadly, our Rocket League scene right now doesn't have that. But imagine, just that's like one of the hopes I have with this free-to-play update as well is that we have this massive growing player base that kind of evolves over like a set of months where we can have massive tournaments going, not even prize pools, but just getting consistent mm. tournaments going that these brands can see there's involvement here. And I mean, I think some of them are self-sustained. I don't think they require a tournament with a prize pool to have that return on investment. I think most of it can just be marketing um, for them. But I mean, there has to be something that pulls them in, keeps them here. And unfortunately, that is going to be something like... Uh, VS doing with their with their CSGO. They see there's massive prize pools, there's involvement, teams are getting sponsored, but it's because there's this consistency um, in the way that they handle their tournaments, teams competing on a regular basis. Um, and it's I think that's like one of the biggest things, unfortunately. It's it's kind of a cyclic thing when you start to look at it. Is 
no tournament is going to put up a massive prize pool if there's not going to be people watching it or if they're not going to get any return on investment. So, you know, you, you need to get dedicated players to play in tournaments. If they play in tournaments, then they get um, views. There's a lot of sport for tournaments. Then tournament organizers are going, all right, let's put up more money. If there's more money, you get more players. The more players you get, the bigger the, the scene grows in South Africa. And so more people start watching the tournaments. You get bigger, better views on your, your streams, on your finals and stuff like that. As you get more streams, on your views on your streams then you start to see more investors more sponsors are going to be looking at it going all right that's cool like we actually can put some advertising in here and get 500 people to watch it when you get the sponsors involved you get more prize pool you get more prize pool you get more players you get more players you get other organizations starting to pick up teams and actually dedicate time and resources towards it as you get more players you get bigger tournaments so it's this really big cyclic thing that comes down and you know the the fact that rocket league has been building for a couple of years now means that we've we're a little bit along that process of the cyclic you know in the beginning the, the first tournament was for roman's pizza vouchers that's the one i watched uh, or I, I entered in the one it was it was great and then the first league of or the first round of vs gaming was like a three thousand rand prize pool and then the second leg was like a six thousand rand prize pool and now we're getting like ten thousand rand tournaments and stuff like that and so like that sort of cycle is really good to see and the fact that rocket league is still growing in south africa to such an extent i mean on the rocket league facebook page there were 24 new people to join just this week and so you know that cycle is definitely working but i'm really hoping that there's some sort of big change that comes at some stage as gaming as a whole is taken more seriously by sponsors and by companies that they can start putting in towards prize pool we've got people like atk who've joined this year who've now started sponsoring much bigger tournaments and that sort of thing is so good to see because that's the sort of snowball effect that we really need to see in any game and in rocket league it's such a spectator friendly sport that even if you don't know the game there's no spells to learn. There's no characters to learn. There's not just, ooh, something happened. I don't know what, but now half the people are dead. It's, it's like you, you can tell when someone's scoring a goal, right? It, it becomes very hype. And so I think Rocket League has that ability to just keep growing as it goes. And with the free-to-play, it means that we can now boost that, that growth even more. So that we got new players coming in. They're going to be like, oh, geez, I picked up this thing. Um, I personally know at least six or seven people who've picked it up in the last two weeks because of the, the free to play. And they're like, well, okay, we're not, we're not good now, but we're going to join in. We're going to form some teams. We're going to train. And that sort of cyclic effect is what's going to grow South African Rocket League and, you know, just the way it has grown International Rocket League. Mm, yeah, and I mean, as you as you touched on it, these uh, brands and all that getting involved with CSGO and ATK, as we mentioned, um, it's international marketing, right? I mean, I know ATK sent over a CSGO team a while back, um, and they're planning on doing it again now. Um, and those players that got sent overseas, uh, Sonic, I think, is one of them, and JT, they got picked up by big names, like uh, Cloud9. They got yeah. picked up by Cloud9 for CSGO. That's crazy. Can you imagine you get this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go compete overseas and then get picked up by this massive all? Like your career just like kicks into overdrive just like that. And it's some things we're going to we, we're gonna touch on next week, but just to like touch on it a little bit now. Um, I think that's one of our biggest um, things that we that we crave that we want is international recognition for for rocket league and biggest thing is rlcs we just want that recognition to be able to compete um but not to get in like too much into it but i mean it still comes down to that these brands these big sponsorships getting involved uh kind of helps us get in 
into that international level kind of um but it just opens up a lot more doors than we have with just creating a team under some certain name no it's 100 percent right is like if you think about it there's a breaking point that's got to come somewhere in any game is can you make a career out of it? You know, sports have been around for hundreds of years. So people have got like the, the industry is built around making an actual career. You can go be a professional soccer player or professional rugby or cricket player or something like that. As gaming grows over the next couple of decades, you're going to find that there is going to be a point where a gamer can be a professional gamer. And it's, it's going to come down to, can you afford to live month to month as a gamer? You know, Overwatch has started with the Overwatch League overseas where you the guys get paid a general salary every month to train. I mean, ATK has some t- some teams in some of their games where they pay them a salary. And these guys are training now six days a week. And that's the difference between the South African scene and like an international scene for now is that guys can't afford to train six days a week or there's just no motivation for them to train six days a week. You put in six days a week of hardcore effort, three-hour practices every day, and then you come out with a thousand rand at the end of it. It's just, it's not worth it yet. If we can get to that point of growing the scene, growing tournaments, growing sponsors, growing organizers, um, to the point where people can now quit their day jobs, then and train as professional Rocket League players, that's when you're going to see the world is going to change for Rocket League for any game, is when people can now afford to take no job. And then even if it's just a basic salary for now, but I think we're still quite a few years away from that for most games in South Africa, not just Rocket League. So, you know, the the other option that you can do is not just necessarily playing the game for tournaments. You can also play the game and make it as a YouTube or Twitch streamer. You know, that sort of thing is big, that people can use that as an opportunity to get lots of fans. And in South Africa, one of the things that's that kind of held us back before was that the people who were watching the finals, the people who were watching the streams were the same small group of Rocket League enthusiasts. So it would be the guys who would go to the LAN finals would be sitting watching the stream to see it. And so, you know, weirdly enough, when we got to the finals, I remember like first and second year VS game, we were still sitting with like 450 500 views on some of those videos and that starts to become big you know sponsors take a look at 500 people i mean when these guys are sponsoring like local sports teams where they get like 20 people to come and watch their saturday hockey game or something like that they were still throwing like 10,000 rand at these guys to go here we'll sponsor your team for for tournaments you start to get like 500 or a thousand views on these videos that's when sponsors really take it. So, you know, the fact that I've seen a couple new streamers from South Africa coming up and Rocket League being like, I'm new, but I'm really enjoying this game. And so the entertaining personalities, people hosting their own things. We've seen um, RLX, they came through and they were doing uh, six mans where they had those games streamed and people were getting involved. And, you know, that's, that also involves the newer players. The new players can come in and go, right, let's, let's watch some South African Rocket League, not just RLCS yeah no i mean that is that is quite a big thing as well i think that you touched on is content creators in general and streamers and vlogs that are created from those streams i think it not the only thing that brands and organizations look at just in, in individual teams you know but also a content creator or a vlog or streamer that also brings in so much marketing for a for a brand for organization and through that content creator through and you see a lot of these organizations do it, especially overseas. Um, a lot of these organizations like SSG and, uh, and Dignitas, they have all these content creators 
but not like because they're good at the game, but because they have such a massive fan base. They have so many people watching them. And through that content creator, this brand gets so much exposure and so much through that they can just market anything and it reaches an, like a massive play base. So I think content creators and streams and all that is also one big like promotion point uh, for us to get those brands, get those organizations involved uh, in creating tournaments or just getting recognition, just realizing, okay, there might be some players or there might be a player base to get things going off of. Um, so yeah, streamers, content creators, they should keep doing what they're doing. Uh, some notable names like uh, Papa Capes. He has been, and it's so weird. Like I saw the other day, um, not the other day, but Capes has, has gotten it like twice now uh, where he got raided by these big Rocket League streamers. Um, I think Jorius was one of them. Uh, and I can't remember what the other one was. I think Squishy also raided him. And it's so crazy to see that even though we're not as big or as internationally recognized as they are, it's just this odd chance that they get to see you and get to see that you're a South African Rocket League player. Um, and they might be inquisitive. They might be asking you, like, how's the scene? How's this? How's that? They might not. But if they do, that kind of just, like, gives us massive insight into, okay, they, they are players here. You know, South Africa, they, they are some Rocket League players there. They're not just, like, a country. You know, they do have internet. and They do have <laughs> Rocket League. Um, so I think through that, it's just, like, crazy to see that there is that kind of recognition. There is that possibility uh, that it might be through that through the content creators and the streamers. Yeah, big ups to like the guys who are trying to make a, a go of it. David Horsborn, one of the, the most prolific guys around lately. He's trying to be the oldest Rocket League pro in South Africa. Or oh, sorry, the, the the oldest grand champ in the world. Um, he's He's been pushing hard and he's he's done such a good job for the South African Rocket League scene in terms of content creation. You know, it's we want to get guys involved in the South African scene from overseas. We, we're going to chat a lot about overseas involvement next uh, next week when or in the next podcast when we do this. But those overseas guys, we want to make it to the RLCS. You know, there is no South African qualifier for African qualifier for the RLCS yet. If we can start getting some of the big names to recognize South Africa, that we've got content creators, we want to get them involved in the tournaments. If we could get a couple of the RLCS guys to, to watch some of our local tournaments, I'm pretty sure they'd be blown away and be like, oh, hang on, we haven't even looked at this scene before and the fact that we have some good players. I mean, we have some great players here who I think if they went overseas, they could make it into some of the top teams in South Africa. I mean, those guys overseas are not doing anything that we're not doing here. We're doing the flip resets. We're doing the backboard redirects. We're doing the team plays. I think that our guys, I mean, we have guys entering like tournaments and stuff like that, weekly tournaments, and coming out as pretty high ranked in those tournaments. So they are already competing, um, and that's on 200 ping. If we can get some guys to just involve, like that's that's personally my dream as the, the caster, is if I could be casting on the RLCS stage, like that would be an absolute dream of mine. And, you know, that's that's the sort of thing that we can build towards as a South African community. So every person who's got a YouTube channel in South Africa, you guys should be advertising it, putting it on, on the Discord, putting it on the Rocket League South Africa Facebook page and tweeting it out and, and getting people involved. And if you... It, like the, the local players, I'm sure even the local people who just want to watch streams, if they can watch South African players and South African streams, I'm sure that they'd be very excited to do that instead of just watching like the international guys. Yeah, you want to watch the international guys because of the big names. But if we can get some big names in South Africa that are world-renowned, 
that's that would take off South African Rocket League to a huge extent. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, just getting their recognition, just getting them to recognize us, and as you said, just if by chance somehow uh, those international players get to view some of our Rocket League, I think they would be pleasantly surprised in a way. Like, yeah. what they can actually hit the ball. Like, <laughs> I thought it was a bunch of plats and golds in this country. What is what is happening? But I mean, we just to like touch on it lightly uh, as we're running a little bit out of time. Just um, Snowy, one of the best players, or the best player in our in our country. When he went overseas, he was able to get. I think the highest he went was like sixth in one v one. He was like crazy. Yeah. He was I sad to see that he didn't climb two v two and three v three. But just in ones, like if he's able to reach that level, like it would be so good to see where our players would be if they didn't have that ping disadvantage. Um, but just, I think, on that note, Alt, a lot of uh, things that we chatted about today, just like the nostalgic feeling, just going back to where VS started, how they got our scene to actually... And I think we can give them credit just to get the ball rolling for our community. Yeah. I think they played such a big role into getting Pun the community intended. where it is now, uh, getting the tournament organizers interested to where it is at this point. Um, sadly, not as much involvement as last year, but I'm hoping there, there are things, uh, some things in the pipeline um, a lot of teams, so much progression. These players really did put in the time. Some of them, uh, like you said, you moved over to casting. You, that gave you some other opportunities. Um, just that general team and player progression was so great to see. LAN events, hoping that comes back, uh, hoping for the best. Um, so these teams and players can get something uh, to work for again. And hopefully there are some prize pools in, in, involved in that. Um, but yeah, we will see where this, where this year goes to. Yeah, that's that's what we got to do. Is you know we got to take into consideration games like Counter Strike have been around since two thousand and four or six or whatever, like when it actually started. It's been around for fifteen years. If Rocket League stays around in the competitive scene for fifteen years, I have no doubt that we're going to be seeing prize pools like comparable to any of the other games in South Africa. Like uh, that would be. I think it's an optimistic thing to say, but I definitely think that Rocket League lends itself to that sort of thing. So guys need to, to grind. You know, there, there's got to be a point to the grind. So we, we're growing the prize pools. We're growing the tournaments. We've got people like ACGL hosting weekly tournaments that allow new players to get their feet wet and, and get a taste of the South African scene. We've got people like uh, VS Gaming who they've pulled out of Rocket League now, but they're going to, they, they've got to pick it up again at some stage. They're going to see, oh, wow, hang on. I mean, Meth... Metal States hosted some big tournaments. ATK is the big one recently where they had 32 teams join into that. 32 teams is a really nice commitment from the South African scene. And so if we can keep building the scene, we keep getting big tournaments, we keep getting big prize pools, we keep showing off that we've got the skills for it. The sponsors are going to get involved. We've already had some big sponsors in there. Telcom, Logitech, Asus, all of those guys have come through and already recognize the South African Rocket League scene as a place to invest. As we get that, we get better prize pools as we get bigger prize pools we get more viewers on the, the streams and that's another thing is if you guys are listening to this now watch the south african streams even if you just put it on for 10 minutes or you just catch the finals or something like that having every tick on those twitch streams or the youtube streams or the youtube videos or something like that every one of those counts towards the future growth of it you know they build on that where people will go okay this one had 600 views and that one had 800 views okay hang on there is a definite growth here if we get in early we can sponsor these tournaments and you know it'll make it worthwhile for the players it'll make it worthwhile for the tournament organizers it'll make it worthwhile for the sponsors and if you just keep that snowball progression 
this scene is is live and well, man. This this scene is growing so healthily. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, as you guys heard, Alt just laying out the life cycle of uh, South African Rocket League tournaments. But I think on that note, Alt, it has been a great time chatting about these uh, these teams and general nostalgia and and LAN events. Uh, but I think that is where we'll end the podcast for this week. I have been Skill Steel with me, Altruism. Uh, we will see you next week or whenever. Cheers, guys. Cheers, cheers. <laughs>